0: Well, hey there, amazing human, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four and five-figure months, and then under the six and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. Let me start by saying this, launching can be easy. That's right, launching can be easy if you choose it to be easy. So many people that come to work with me have had past launches that are simply exhausting, leaving them depleted to then execute the program as they're still recovering from their launch. But in order to make a launch run with ease and have fun and have limited stress, there are many things that we need to consider and things that need to happen for that to take place. In my opinion and in my experience, when it comes to launching, the biggest leverage a business owner can have is investing in an amazing launch team. And that's why I'm excited to bring on Tasha who is a launch strategist from the Launch Guild who is going to chat with us today specifically about launch teams, hiring the right people to support you while having a successful launch. Some of the things we're going to dive deep on in this conversation today is going to be about what is a launch team and who are the key players in a launch team. We've also are going to explore some of the launches that Tasha has had and some of the benefits that she's seen when you hire having a launch team. We're also going to talk about if you don't have a lot of money to hire a launch team, who could you hire the one person versus a team? And there's so many other amazing things like mindset, bottlenecks and what that looks like for business owners, et cetera. It is a great episode, an epic episode, and if you are launching from products to launching courses, I would strongly encourage you to get your pen and paper ready. It's going to be epic. But before we hop into the show today, this episode is sponsored by my 12-month accelerator group profit pillars coaching program that shows you how to transform your business so that you can make more money, reach more people, and have more time to enjoy your family and friends, and obviously put an end to burnout. This particular program and accelerator is specifically for women who are on their way to hitting their first five-figure months. They might have a business idea or they already have their businesses up and running and they just want to know how to make more money and know what are the things that they need to focus on that are going to get them the biggest return on investment. Profit Pillars is a hybrid model, meaning you get one-on-one support, group coaching support, guest experts, mindset coaching, and so much more. Specifically, you're going to get the goal setting sessions every month, you're going to get fortnightly hot seat calls where we dive deep into your own individual business and you get coached by myself, you get daily support from me inside of the Facebook group so that you don't have to be stuck in between calls, you get access to our private Uh, business vault. You get a one-on-one strategy session with me. You get sessions with back pocket mentors and everything else. I really look at business from a holistic approach. And in order to get what you need, you're going to need strategy, accountability, mindset, and just overall love and nourishment. You can join Profit Pillars for $275 a month, which is just $8 a day to grow your business. If you need to grow your business, if you need to make more money and you're ready to take the leap, I strongly encourage you to head to angelahenderson.com.au, click on the services tab and look at joining ASAP. Now let's get into this awesome episode. Welcome to the show, Tasha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today, too. I mean, we've been connected for a while now. We have quite a few mutual friends, but today is the first time we've actually kind of met, met, you could say. So I'm thrilled to have you here today. Ah, thank you. So now one of the um, things that I always like to start off with guests is I always like to ask the guests a fun question just so that the audience gets to know a little bit more about you than just jumping straight into business. So my fun question to you is, as I know we were just talking before we press record is that you are now currently living in New Mexico, which Mm -hmm. I almost fell off my chair when I read this somewhere before the podcast because I was like, most people don't know that I did my high school and undergrad in Albuquerque. So again, it's always a treat to meet someone from that area. So my question is to you is, do you prefer the desert or the ocean? Oh, I definitely prefer the ocean, mm-hmm. I, but I will also
1: like put an asterisk next to that because <laughs> I hate cold weather. So like once, cause I grew up in New Jersey. So like I grew up around ocean, but once the ocean gets cold, then I
0: prefer desert. <laughs> <laughs> You're like half the year here, half the yeah, year here. Exactly. I'm with you. I mean, I miss being uh, in Canada. I mean, I miss waking up to like everything still on Christmas morning. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's about all I miss. The minus thirty and minus forty degrees. I'm quite happy living in Australia, where we just go barefoot everywhere and head to the beach. So yep. I'm quite happy. Again, the you know the picture perfect thing on Christmas Day is about all I need. Now yeah. listen. Now that we know that you kind of still love both a little bit of each, my question to you is: Is my audience audience won't know potentially who you are or where you're from, right? Some will, but some probably won't because majority of my audience is Aussies and it can be quite isolated over here in Australia. So my question, can you just let the audience know a little bit about where did you start in business and where are you at now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started about five years ago. I was a hobby blogger. I had a blog, uh, frugal, healthy living kind of blog, and quickly kind of got into the blogging community and realized that there was a need for virtual assistance in the blogging community. So wanted to pay off some student loan debt and some credit card debt by filling that need. And my business just really like exploded basically overnight um, to the point of where I was making as much as I was in my full-time job, as I was like in my VA business within Four months, and I put in my notice for my full time job about four months after that, so about within eight months and everything. Mm-hmm. So I started there, started kind of as a general VA, moved into um, tech VA, and now I run a seven figure um, agency that deals all in full service launch support. So I have a team of almost thirty at this point, point. So and fun. we do yeah, we just do launches all day, every day.
0: <laughs> and do you miss some of the components of the VA world? Or are you happy that you're like yeah? Bring on the launches, like, do you miss any, any bits of it? I I miss the
1: connection because I don't get to work with our clients like as much one-on-one as I do, um, mm-hmm. you know, as I did when I was in the trenches, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do miss that client connection, but that's probably the only thing I miss. I'm I'm definitely a super high quick start. And I kind of like that, like, get in, get out, get done kind of thing. It mm-hmm. just works for my personality.
0: Yeah. And so do does that mean, do you have anything else, any new projects bubbling under the surface?
1: Oh, there's always something. There's... <laughs>
0: There is always
1: something. Well, because uh, there's a whole nother side to my business. There's a whole nother arm. So I also coach and mentor launch managers, agency owners, and virtual assistants that are just getting started. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of that whole side to things. So that's that's keeping me pretty busy right now. And we're we're starting to like start to talk about our our plans for like next year and stuff.
0: And I mm-hmm. think I, I think there's a couple more courses in me. We'll see. <laughs> Listen, I know I was. Uh, my team said the other day when we were in our meeting, they're like, and it's August you know when, when's your yearly planning day I normally will go lock myself in a hotel for three days just by oh, myself and I just mm-hmm. dump everything up they're like can you tell us when that day's coming so we can be prepared because they always know <laughs> that they'll get hit with things afterwards yeah but again it's exciting to think that I mean it's exciting and also going wow we're almost in another year right I know. um and with your team are they all virtual or are they in Albuquerque or how does that work for you
1: yeah, they're all virtual. They're all over the U.S. And we are a pretty close-knit team for being completely virtual. Mm-hmm. Jay Ray, my director of operations, she and I will probably see each other on normal years. We'll see each other a few times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, she's actually flying out for a few days um, next weekend. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of starting our pre-planning for our strategy call mm-hmm. or our strategic planning for the, the next year. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we just do everything, you know, online and have our normal
0: like Zoom meetings and everything. Mm-hmm. No, fantastic. That's awesome. And that, again... Yeah you guys are able to, like you said, communicate and still be tight knit, even though you guys are all probably in a variety of different states around the US. So that's super exactly. fun. Yeah. All right. So launching, it's a big thing. I reckon it's <laughs> even more of a buzzword since, you know, the pandemic has hit more than ever before, because I believe so many people have seen what it's like to A, work from home, uh, live at home, not have to be in the nine to five. And people, I think have had the aha moment and slowly coming over to our exciting world, right? The world of freedom <laughs> is what I see say. And so, but with launches, as you know, Tasha, that there's so many um, moving pieces, like it's insane, the amount of pieces that are moving people, I think, just think like, oh, you create something, you throw it out there. It's not that simple. And so today, though, specifically, I don't want to go to, I mean, I know there'll be crossover about like, different launch strategies probably are different parts of the launch, but we're not, this podcast isn't going to be um, specifically for just like how to launch this. I really Mm -hmm. want to talk more about the team because if you can get a good team behind you, a lot of times the direct correlation is you can get a good launch behind you, right? And there's obviously components of what you need to make that happen, but the more support you have, I find the more success things are. And also I'm really sick of people talking about, you know, at the end of a launch, I'm so exhausted. Well, they're naturally exhausting. That's inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have systems in place, if you have team in place, you can still have a launch that is successful and that is with ease. And I think there's a few myths about, do you know what I mean, that launching has to be hard and so tiresome. And I just finished launching uh, a time of recording a couple of weeks ago and my team's like why aren't you you know it's like it just is what it is now right like no mm-hmm. one's getting super stressed no one's avoiding anything um and it it just makes it for such a more peaceful experience yeah so today we're going to talk specifically about launch team hiring the right people to support businesses out there for having a successful launch so just to kind of start so we're all on the same page what how are you defining launch team and who are the key players in a launch team
1: yeah, so I define a launch team as the people around you, the people on your team that are supporting you in the launch. So that can be in an implementation capacity where they're like building things for the launch. That can be in a strategy capacity where they're supporting you on figuring out what you're actually, what your strategy is going to be for the launch. And that can be in a management capacity where they're managing things like the project plan and the other team members. So our launch team, if we're doing like a full launch support for our clients, our launch team Team definitely always includes our launch strategists. It includes a launch manager. It also includes a designer, um, a tech VA, an admin VA that is on t- for webinar support and inbox management during the actual open cart all the way through closed cart. Mm-hmm. And then those are kind of, I think the, the main key people sometimes are uh, our clients also hire us for like copywriting as well as Facebook ads. So those are kind of add-ons, but the core team is, is definitely like tech, management, design, um, and admin are kind of the, and then strategy are kind of the core of the team. Mm-hmm.
0: Just for those who might be, they may have launched, but they may not have known all those pieces. Do you mean, or they may have like, mm-hmm. this could be like the first time that they're hearing them specifically. You mentioned, I'm just trying like getting a pen just so that I don't Yeah. So, that. so you talked about the four components, like you would have a tech team, you'd have a strategy manager, you would have your, what was the other two? Launch manager. Saying? Yep. You would have your designer. Designer. Can you just quickly again? I, I don't ever want to assume that everyone yeah. is just like, boom, I know these things, right? I right. know them, but again, this isn't my me. I'm interviewing you. I want you to do, <laughs> you're the expert on this one. So can you just quickly tell them like what would a tech VA or what would the tech person be responsible for doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the tech VA or the tech person on the team would be responsible for making sure everything is connected so that uh things like when people sign up for your webinar, they actually get the email that that gives them the info for that webinar. When people go and they click on the button to buy on your sales page, it actually goes to a checkout page. And that <laughs> checkout page then tags the person for the correct you know, course so that they get the access. So that person is connecting all of the pieces so that everything flows seamlessly from the time that the person you know, lands on your webinar page or your sales page all the way to the delivery. Right,
0: fantastic. And then Mm -hmm. the launch manager, what would they be doing? Yes, so
1: super key integral roles. So that launch manager, some people call them a project manager. There are differences in launch management and project management, but a launch manager is kind of the the orchestrator of the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So they're making sure that all of the pieces are going together and knowing what needs to happen and when Mm -hmm. and is responsible for making sure that the team knows what's going on and when, when things are happening. Mm-hmm. A really great launch manager will also help you be able to kind of make decisions in the moment. So mm-hmm. if, if things aren't going well, if you kind of need to modify and adjust, that launch manager can support you in kind of helping you make those decisions and, and doing what needs to be done. A really great launch manager is also there to get the client kind of out of the doing of it, right? Mm-hmm. So our goal in any launch is that the client's really able to just show up and be excellent at what they do and not have to worry about like, okay, is this email actually going out when it's supposed to, you know, like, is this, has this thing been scheduled on social media? So that's what the launch manager is doing, kind of corralling all of the chaos.
0: Right. Yep. Nope. Fantastic. So Mm -hmm. we've got the tech, we've got the launch manager. Now, I think you said a strategy manager, was that right? Yeah. So a strategist. So usually
1: our strategist is in that first kickoff meeting where we kind of just make all the key decisions about like, are you going to do a webinar? Are you going to do a, challenge? Um, what content do you need to kind of be putting out from now until your launch to really get people excited about things? And then once the strategy is created, that strategist also goes in uh, for like the webinars or the challenge and everything, and just make sure that things are going well and gives kind of critiques and, and feedback on how to, you know, have better conversions during the entire launch. Dude, love it. Did we miss anyone? Uh design.
0: Design, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, time. no worries. <laughs> it's, still, it's still 8 a.m. and it's 8 a.m. Oh, sorry. Sure, so I haven't had my diet coke yet. Okay, yep, go ahead. Design. <laughs> yeah,
1: yep. so designer is just there to design all of the pages. Um, a good launch designer will understand high converting design for, mm-hmm. for sales pages and for webinar pages and everything, and be able to make the design so that it's it's like catches the eye of the, you know, of your ideal client and it kind of brings them in immediately. Mm-hmm.
0: Listen, I love that. And uh, I always want to like bow, right? Because <laughs> I, as a business consultant, my main thing is, is, you know, whether or not, excuse me, it's a sales page, whether or not it's a website, it needs to convert. And so Mm -hmm. I always say, I don't care how pretty it is, right? But there's still, as I'm sure your team will know, there's certain aspects of a design page that, yes, it needs to look nice, but there's buttons have to be in certain places, right? And again, it's the journey that we take them on to make them, from a psychology point of view, you know, move them to buy, right? Right. Um, And again, so I love when I hear the words conversion, because I'm just like a lot of people forget about that, because they just think, oh, I've got my page though, Ange. Um, I'm currently working with Bourgeois. I don't know if you know Bourgeois. Oh, yeah. And Uh um, I'm in her... Um, how would you explain it? it's like a four month accelerator and I'll be one of 25 people who will be able to uh, uh, it's like a persuasive auditor so we're currently like looking at offers funnels webinars and there's one other component I forgot I'm only two months in so it's been super interesting you know doing this with Bujra and looking at all the psychological pieces behind everything um, so yeah so it was, yeah super interesting but again the importance of converting right like you're not just doing yeah. this for shits and giggles <laughs> like exactly. you don't want to get to the <laughs> end and then those pieces are firing off in your favor so no so cool so thanks for that uh because it just helps to clarify for those individuals who still might be a little bit new to it or think they might have those pieces in place or know all those pieces and people who need to be so thanks for clarifying that absolutely now you've worked on a lot of launches uh let's be honest and so what have you seen are some of the benefits that businesses um can have when a launch team is there that they may not see when they don't have a launch team
1: Yeah. So I think it's a matter of you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. And so having a team where all we do all day, every day are launches, (laughs) like that's what we do. And so in terms of like the newest launch strategies, in terms of what's working in the industry now, like we're always on the cutting edge of knowing those things. Mm -hmm. And we don't expect our clients, like just like we wouldn't expect our client who's an attorney, like they wouldn't expect us to know all the attorney things, you know, we don't expect them to know all the launch things. And so I think a lot of people go into this thinking like, oh, I can just throw up a page and like, that'll be that. And there's (laughs) so much more to it. And what I find is that a lot of our clients have tried launching on their own, maybe have had some success sometimes, maybe not had some success other times, but like you were talking about before, they just leave the launch feeling completely exhausted and not ever wanting to do that again a lot of times because Mm -hmm. they're trying to do all of it themselves Mm -hmm. and they're not working in their zone of genius or even in their zone of excellence. Right. Mm -hmm. So get them being able to um, have a launch team where the launch team knows what what is supposed to happen. And they're kind of guided by that
0: team and can really
1: go back into sitting in their seat in their zone of genius.
0: Now, for those people, though when they're like, okay, these benefits sound amazing. These launch human beings sound amazing, right? But are there certain also characteristics or things that are needed in a business for this? When you bring in a launch team, kind of like the foundations, I'm very Mm -hmm. big about talking about the foundations and laying bricks that are solid bricks of like a house. So that again, everything kind of nothing's gonna crumble. So when you've worked with the launches, are there key characteristics that you see where, You've had more success with others. Like, for example, do they need to have an audience? Do they have a, need to have an email list? Like, because I also don't want people to think, well, if I hire this launch team and I've only got an email list of 100 and, you know, an Instagram following of 200 and I'm not going to throw any ads that I'm still going to make $100,000, right? So yeah. what are some of those key pieces that you see businesses should be considering? And if they don't have it done now, they need to be thinking about it before they would hire a launch team. Like, what are yeah. some?
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up cuz yeah, this is a this is a chronic thing that we deal with all the time and we ask a lot of questions on the front end when people are looking to work with us because we just want to make sure that it's a great fit and I think part of it being a great fit is that they do already have some kind of an audience and some sort of a community and they have already kind of been nurturing the audience and community. Even if you throw ads behind it, a lot of times, especially now, those ads aren't necessarily going to convert people for this launch. It's mm-hmm. kind of the long game and you're, you're getting those people on your list now so that you can nurture them and they're ready for the next launch and the next launch after that. Mm-hmm. So I would say we kind of, when we have brand new to launching people, they're kind of in two camps a lot of times. Either they are willing to kind of take a little bit longer so that they can cultivate that community and grow their community Mm -hmm. before they actually launch, or they are saying, okay, I know that I may not recoup my investment on you guys right away, Mm -hmm. but I want to like kind of start with everything already set up and ready to go, so mm-hmm. that it's then a process that I can repeat, you know, rinse and repeat and know that it that it will work over time. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I hate seeing is that people expect kind of miracles just because they do have a team, like you said. <laughs> so, yes. so yeah, and you know, and I think that it's really hard if if somebody has not been nurturing their audience or if they have a smaller email list and kind of no other place that their community or audience is used to seeing them show up, mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of have one of those launches that, you know, unfortunately, gurus have said that you can have straight out the gate mm-hmm. without doing the work.
0: <laughs> yeah, Women in business, get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game. To secure your ticket, head to angelahenderson.com.au today. And also too, like, you know, first, I guess there's a few things. What I love is you talked about the long game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So many times I see businesses, they start up, they think that the launch is gonna save them, right? But then they and they're almost just looking for the next transaction. Right. Mm-hmm. Versus looking that every person that comes in is still a human being. Yeah. And for me it's like again, just because there are no now doesn't mean that there are no forever. Mm-hmm. Um and that it just might be not the again. You know, my launch the last couple of weeks didn't go to plan. Now, not because, well, I mean, Facebook ads were costing me $36, do you know what I mean, per lead. That was a slight problem. But we also know things are changing right now because of iOS. And it's also not uncommon in my space as a coach to potentially see these numbers, right? So we didn't get as many people in top of funnel, which means, again, it was harder to close on the bottom end, right? But I know that those people that were at Top of Funnel who were new to my world, they're still going to be in, they're still in my ecosystem right now. So just because they were known now doesn't mean that I won't be able to support them later on. And I think that is important because so often people just want the quick fixes, right? Like they just yeah. want the quick wins. But I love that you use the word long game because of the fact that this is really a long, it's a long-term strategy. You want your business to be here for a long term, right? Not just these yeah. Quick wins. And just again, remembering that people are humans, right? Don't always worry about chasing that next, you know, that we're the next dollar. And have you seen, this is just a side question for launching. Again, there's a lot of people who are in launch that you use more of a launch model, meaning like they don't really have reoccurring revenue and they're solely dependent on the launches to work for them you know, in your experience, have you seen things change in that space because of Facebook ads and where things are going and that people need to maybe bring in other income streams? Or are you still pretty confident that the launch model works as well as it did maybe 10 years ago?
1: I think the launch model model still works. I think that like depending on the things that we depended on for so long yeah. is not going to work anymore. So mm-hmm. figuring out other ways that we can reach people um, that are more kind of like in the trenches, grassroots organic, you know, um, I think that that, that may be the, the thing that we need to kind of go back to and lean on a little bit more, mm-hmm. but I have never been one that is just like, Oh, you can just launch, you know, four times a year and that will kind of save you because of the fact that we never know like when Facebook is going to make a change <laughs> that will tank our ads, you know, yep. or something like that. And so I I love the the model of having some kind of consistent revenue underneath your launches mm-hmm. so that if a launch tanks, if you know one of your launches do in that, you know, four launches per year tanks, it's not the end of the world and you don't have to shut business down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love it because that's where I'm always like, and I also know some of my clients will probably be listening and they'll and they'll be giggling and they're like, but Anne, she said if we got people in top of funnel. And I'm like, yes, but again, how long have those people been in your world to getting nurtured, right? And so yes. that nurturing piece is so important is, you know, showing content before the launch actually happens, right? And and warming them and debunking some of those myths around whatever it is that you're going to be selling and, and really bringing them on that journey, sending out regular content via emails, you know, maybe reels, maybe your podcast, whatever. And I think people forget that again, again, I'm a very big believer build your audience, nurture your audience, and then sell to your audience. And I feel sometimes people build it and then go straight to selling. It's like going Mm -hmm. to a bar, as I say, and just tapping someone and asking for sex.
1: The likelihood
0: of it, (laughs) you know, you normally need to buy Johnny a drink and then you've got to say, hey, let's get your number. I mean, like I said, it probably works for some people that way. But again, even in a launch strategy, it would be a small percentage that that would work out for, right? So understanding that nurture part is so key. Now, I know there might be some people out there going, and. You and, uh, you and Tasha have been doing this for a while. This is all well and good. You guys have money. Again, I hear that all the time. And I'm like, okay, but we all have choice too, right? I didn't have a lot of money at the beginning. I made choices where I was going to invest. And I use my credit card sometimes, not at a point of going into debt that I would never recoup, but sometimes you got to invest a little, right? To recoup mm-hmm. and, and build that long-term game. But if someone's out there listening, going, you know, you talked about the tech person you talked about the strategist you talked about the manager what if I can't afford the whole team collectively like who would you consider to be the most one most important person out of that team for those people who are just starting and they might have to be their own tech person for a while like out of everything who would you say they need the most
1: Yeah, so I would say if there is one person that you can start with, start with kind of a virtual assistant that knows launches well, so that has worked with other clients on their launches. Mm -hmm. They may not be excellent at design or excellent at tech, or they'll probably have one thing that they kind of shine on, but they'll be able to support you and kind of help you through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that one VA, the next thing that I would probably suggest is probably having a launch manager of some sort that can you know, make sure that the project plan makes sense so that you're not stressing out so that you and your VA both know exactly what's supposed to happen at each part of kind of each part of the, you know, the launch. Um, So my, yeah, but my, my first suggestion would definitely be a VA because you need that implementer foundation kind of first to support you before you start hiring other, you know, manager kind of thing, kind of mm-hmm. people.
0: And for those people, again, I always play devil's advocate who might be like, what are you meaning by implementer? Now, again, it might mm-hmm. sound simple, but just to make sure we're on the same page. Can you just define that for those people? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So implementer is the person doing the work. So implementing whatever or doing the tasks that you ask them to do for the launch. So Mm -hmm. it could be for a launch that, you know, you're writing all the emails and your VA is the one scheduling the emails Mm -hmm. or same thing with social media or, you know, you're writing the sales page Mm -hmm. and they're using a template to design the sales page or something like that.
0: Yep. No, perfect. Mm -hmm. Now, is the launch team, I know you're talking like, say, for example, if I had a VA, you know, I've got four VAs, right? And they all do different things. But if I brought them on, they're obviously with me year round, Mm -hmm. right? In my business. With the launch team specifically, if you were to hire specific people for that launch, are they only with you for the launch in the lead up to the launch? Or ideally, is your launch team people who are going to be around you year round? Yeah, so we actually have
1: clients that do it both ways. So a lot, especially for our larger launch clients, they tend to already have teams in place. But we often forget that like there are other things in the business that still need to be tended to while we're prepping for the launch, right? So their teams are already busy. And then the reason they hire us is because adding something else like a launch onto their team's already full plate is just Mm going to overwhelm their team and burn them out. Mm -hmm. Um, And also it's a different skill set, like ongoing online business management or virtual support is very different than launch support. Mm -hmm. So that's one kind of route where we come in just for the launch and then we go out until kind of the client's next launch. Mm -hmm. We also have clients that we work with and and those are the clients that are usually launching something like quarterly or something. Mm -hmm. So we're coming, we're working with them to go from one launch to like out of one launch and then kind of starting up the ramp up for whatever the next product or the next course or whatever is. Mm -hmm. So there's that opportunity too. I think that both of them, depending on what team you already have in place kind of, or what other support you may have in place in your business, Mm -hmm. both of them can work really, really well.
0: Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. And again, again, so many businesses are so individualized. Each individual Mm -hmm. business is individualized. So I guess you would then come in, assess who do you currently have, who has, I guess, capacity to be able to take on any of those launch roles, you know, while the launch is happening. And if not, I guess your team like, you know, comes in as the unicorn sweeps in, you're able to help whatever, but then again, you're able to exit too, if necessary. Yeah. Now, Hiring for some people, uh, people can get like, they want to vomit, right? It isn't yeah. <laughs> necessarily easy for a lot of people. Uh, fear creeps in. And ultimately, that's the mindset, right? The mindset starts to become a bit wobbly. We start to potentially question, oh, why are we doing this? Do I need to go back to the nine to five? This is so hard, right? So when mindset, in my opinion, becomes quite fragmented, uh, and, and a lot of times I see people, they're very growth mindset for you know 75% of the time, but then this whole launch came creeps in and it's like their mindset goes down to negative right Mm -hmm. for me is you know I'd like to know and I'm curious to know is what mindset shifts do you feel uh entrepreneurs and business owners need to make in order to really scale because that's what launching is is you're being Mm -hmm. able to get to more people and being able to go to scale mode so what are some of those shifts in mindset that you feel uh yeah that they need to need to happen
1: yeah, so I think that number one is a growth mindset in terms of it being a long-term game and a lot and about long-term growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also that it's not just about the revenue. Like the revenue isn't the only metric that we need to be tracking. And so the belief that like, if the revenue number doesn't hit what they want it to hit, that the launch has failed, you know, Mm -hmm. in some sort. I think also going back to um, what you said in the very beginning about launches having to be this like stressed out heavy thing. So removing that mindset and saying like, what if it was easy? Like, what if I just stepped into, doing more of what is already working, of what Mm. I already love to do. Um, And yeah, and I think that that, that's probably the three biggest biggest mindset shifts that I see people needing to make.
0: Can we talk a little bit about metrics? Yes. I love (laughs) metrics. And and again, though I'm not, I wouldn't say it's my 100% zone of genius. It is one of the things that, again, when I'm working with my clients, I talk about never assume because I'm a very big believer data doesn't lie. And, uh, you know, I was catching up with uh, with my launch. I was speaking with Denise Duffield-Thomas, who's a dear friend of mine. And we were, she's like, Ange, she's like, but your numbers, she's like, again, metric. She goes, you know this, Ange. We, I was kind of like, why? Like, why did Facebook ads have to cost us so much? And we are you know, just, <laughs> again, we are just briefing down, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, but, and uh, she and we, and we I knew this. And she's like, Ange, you're actually metrics for conversion. We're fine. She's like, the only thing we have a problem here is top of funnel, right? And like, it's like, yeah. we knew that. But if I wasn't aware of metrics, I would have, again, I would have been like, during oh my god this sucks what are we gonna do but I was just like man it is what it is right like yeah. we know that this is where the the problem is this isn't we know what we're gonna have to change do you know I mean for the next time and it's okay but again I, I'm I come from a strong mindset where again if I think if you're wobbly you start to freak out but metrics tell a story metrics tell pieces of the puzzle that we can't see just when we're like looking out from the outside you know I, I share an example all the time is when I work with my clients about understanding what platforms they should be on and where their clients are is a lot of times they make assumptions well I think they're there but when we go to Google Analytics and they want to get rid of one of those platforms the client of mine she was on Pinterest and she's like I hate Pinterest I'm getting off of Pinterest no traffic comes from Pinterest etc and then but I said well hold on don't cut you know, your leg off yet, mm-hmm. go and check. And Pinterest is actually her number one traffic source. Wow. So again, being able to go underneath and look at what those metrics are telling us can allow us to then future plan for what we want to do thereafter. So I appreciate that you bring the metrics because uh, another client of mine, she launched recently her brand new program. And she was like, I only got 12 people in. And I was like, and that's what I guess I want to ask you is celebrating. Yes. it's It's, we're so quick to go this sucked. that sucked. that sucked. but I know even over my own launches I have all the names of the people who sign up I'm looking at them now and every night I would walk past and I was still grateful for those people who were in there right like mm-hmm. I'm like I'm gonna still show up and I'm still gonna serve and also just from the understanding that of divine timing the belief that everything is working for you right and the universe yeah. is giving you what you need and I think people forget that but the celebratory part is Do you, do you see it too? Obviously not all of the launches you have all are all, let's be honest, data would show you'd still have a few that might not go to plan. How important is it to still celebrate what has worked versus beating yourself up about what hasn't worked? Oh, it's so important, and I think that that's
1: that's kind of the mindset thing that we were just talking about in terms of not just and when we when we track metrics for our clients we're we're tracking the raw the hard data and everything of the numbers, but the other thing that we're tracking is feeling metrics too, like did you feel in flow? did you feel aligned? Did this feel good because those I think are just as important as the hard data metrics as well, mm-hmm. and then also celebrating like what were the other wins like was engagement up in your Facebook group maybe, or, you know, did you have really good open rates, even though you were sending launch after launch email and everything, you know? So there are other things, there's always something, um, and mostly multiple things to celebrate in any kind of a launch.
0: Mm, no, love <laughs> it. Um, celebrate celebrations. Great. One other question though, that I do have is, is obviously sometimes launch or no launch, we can be bottlenecks in our own Mm -hmm. business. Right. And so in your opinion, what can business owners do to avoid being the bottleneck in their business? Delegate more hands Mm -hmm. down,
1: (laughs) I think. And I was just, um, I, I forget which group it was, but somebody was saying, Oh, you know, I, I have hired like, somebody for this role four times and like I can never get the right person and I know that it's me and I know that I'm I'm bad at delegating she said Mm -hmm. and it's not like I think most of us especially type A personalities and a lot of like entrepreneurs are type A personalities when we first start you know like it's Mm -hmm. we we started ourselves and we're like nobody else can do it the way that I do it Mm -hmm. and so we we end our growth or we stagnant stagnant our growth stagnate our growth by by being that way and not saying and and instead not saying like, you know what, I know that delegating is going to be hard and I need to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you this example for my agency owners in, in my program, Agency Thrive Mine. Most of them started as solopreneurs and now they're building agencies. Mm-hmm. And it is so hard to just be like, I know how to do this thing. You know, even I deal with this as, as a former tech VA who still loves tech. I'll be like, I know how to set up, set this up. And it could take me four seconds, but like, I need to empower my team so that I, I don't have to do it the next time. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I keep doing it, then I'm training my team that I will do that. And I'm training myself that I will do it. And that's not helping me be able to have the space and capacity to do the things that only I can do. So really just practicing the art of delegating. I tell people all the time, like, look at your list every single day. And if you have a VA or somebody who's already supporting you, like find two more things that you can send to them that mm-hmm. you, you no longer need to be doing.
0: And again, tracking that too, right? Like I know I get my clients that they're like, oh no, there's nothing to delegate. And I'm always like <laughs> I'm like bullshit there is a girl yep. cuz I'm like there's always something to delegate. So I'm like I want you to take a piece of paper or I even will get them just using Toggle, you know, it's a tool mm-hmm. that you can use to track your time and I'm like I want you to track everything you do from the minute you like I don't care even if you go and take your kids to baseball, right? Whatever. I want you to track everything that you do for ideally I like them to do it for 2 weeks because not one week I feel is enough. And, or I said, if you don't want to use Tuggle, just get a piece of paper. And I said, I'm telling you, you're going to run out of paper quickly because, yep. the, and they're like, and normally those that do it, they're like, okay, you were right. I've just delegated <laughs> X, Y, Z. Like there's always something because we continue to evolve every day. Right. Mm-hmm. I do also like that you talked about failure about the hiring and some people, I found that a lot of times when I hear people going, well, I've hired three people and it didn't work out those whose mindset is still a little bit in a fixed mindset and don't take responsibility. Right. Mm -hmm. Always can, I I find are more likely to blame the VA. This didn't work out. They didn't do this. They didn't do this. But in my experience is that the majority of VAs fail because of us. Like, yes, of course there's some bad ones. Don't get me wrong, but there's bad business coaches. There's bad launch teams. There's always Mm -hmm. bad in any part. Right. But I find like if it's starting to become a pattern, That first VA didn't work out. The second VA didn't work out. The third. I'm like, you've got one finger pointing at them and three (laughs) fingers pointing back at you. Like you've got to really look at like hiring doesn't just mean that they come in and they are those unicorns. You know, I was just speaking with this about with Sarah Nook, who you're you're your friend too on the podcast. I think last week is that we know that it's actually can be harder work at the beginning, right? Because you've got to build connection with this person and relationships take a little bit of time, but you also, again, have to normally put in a little bit more time to train them. They they just, because they don't know your business and then that can feel heavy. So then people stop doing it. And then like, but they should have just known, but they can't read your mind. Like communication is one of the key factors of breaking down in these relationships. So I love that you brought that up because I do think it's important that if there's a pattern out there and you're listening, it might be that you need to assess your own do you know, thing and it might yeah. not be the VA that's failing here. It could be, <laughs> it could be you, right? <laughs> now, for those people that are out there going, Ang, I love your podcast and every week there's another thing I add to my list of things to do or get started <laughs> with, right? Uh, not that I ever want to do that, but I mean, that's the power of knowledge, I guess. So for those individuals that are wanting to start hiring a launch team, like, where would they even find these amazing human beings, and like, what type of skill set should business owners be looking at when hiring a launch team? Because I think there's that confusion too. Like, okay, Anne said I need a launch team, and now I'm going to go look for a launch team. But like, what what would I even know if they're a good launch team versus a bad launch team? Like, what would those characteristics be?
1: Yeah. So I think two places to go or, or to find that would be number one, look for referrals. Like I always, I always start anytime I'm looking for somebody new, uh, for anything, I start with referrals, you know, who has what, what friends have already used a great launch team or whatever it is, accountant, whatever it is, you know? Um, so I would start there and then you're looking for two things, um, experience, I think, and also skill set. So different launch teams kind of usually work in different systems. Mm -hmm. Um, so you want to make sure that they have worked in the systems that you already use um, and that they know them really well. And then I would also just ask for testimonials or look for testimonials on their site for you know people that have had really great experiences with them. So I think that it's just like any other new new experience or whatever, you're going to have to ask a lot of questions. And, and it's also about figuring out how you work best mm-hmm. and how a team can support you in how you work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's a give and take on that, of course. Uh, but... But I think at the same time, like you asking questions about like, what are their needs going to be and how are they going to need you to show up and making sure that that's something that you can like actually commit to and, you know, and work with.
0: And I like that you said that also about like, what is it like for them to work with us, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have floored ADHD uh, and I also am not medicated because I actually, for me personally, (laughs) my ADHD is my superpower. And when I was on medication, I remember the first day I was on medication, I went, normally I could write a blog article in about an hour. Eight hours later, I was like, what the fuck? Oh. Like I, was like, I was like, I'm still, this ain't working, right? So uh-huh. I still, I was on the medication for a little while. I needed this to say was off the medication because I was like, no, I was like, I like that. But when I know, even when I hire People from my own team, not necessarily the launch team. I'm like, listen, you have to understand that I have a million ideas running on any given day. And if I don't respond, it's your responsibility on your position description to nag me until I do. Like I'm not being rude. I'm not being disrespectful. It's just like, this is my brain and this is how it works. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I got to be upfront because you might not that might not feel good for you, but this is how my brain works. Right. So letting them know that again, it's not, I'm not dismissing them or anything like that. And I I get better every day that I go, okay, I go in my click up and I do my kind of habits that they need me to do. But there's some days that if I'm like, I'm on, right. Like you got to follow up. So some people can cope with that. And my team, I think do an excellent job with the ADHD Angela factor and just being an entrepreneur, when there's a million ideas on any given day without ADHD. Um, But yeah, understanding that that's how I tick. And is that how you're going to be able to cope? Right? Uh, Yeah. With how fast I go. Uh, And it's funny that you say that because
1: I have unmedicated ADHD too. And um, so my team is very similar. I've always I've, always giving my team permission to like, please tag me tag me in Slack as many times as it takes, you know, until I do it and everything. And I think because a lot of our team is like very high fact finders and they're very organized people and everything because of, you know, what they do and everything. Sometimes they were getting um, frustrated with our clients who like weren't checking Asana or weren't checking ClickUp. And I was like, y'all, they're not going to do it, you know? So how can we support them in being able to get the things that they need done, done Mm -hmm. in a way that feels good for them? So like now when our clients aren't really into a project management system, we still use that so that we can stay organized within project management, but we'll pull out like their three tasks for the week and then put it in Slack or Voxer where they'll see it, you know, and, kind of meet them where they're at with that
0: (laughs) and that's the beauty about being able to adapt and meet the needs right and Mm so I know my accountant they'll wait for something from me and then like the end of the month type stuff they're like can you just answer these or can you go into zero and just check this out I'm like oh my god dude this is like why (laughs) why can it be and but they figured me out about two months in it was awesome I was like thank you they they, they now literally gave me uh, like they copy and paste everything and just put it into an email and I'm like oh yeah this is what this is what it's related to but my thought was like mm-hmm. I've got to now log into zero and I've got to click on this button and then I've got to filter yeah. it whereas they just do it and I'm like oh my gosh this is, and then they get what they need right so it's one kind of step for them but from it's like it's working for everyone right so I was yeah. like thank you for being innovated right so yes <laughs> now listen I love how elegant you were with answering the question about where people can find, but there's a beautiful thing. Where can people find you? Because you also, (laughs) I mean, do this. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your services that you have for um, your team. And, And my people know is when, I invite guests on who are reputable and who uh, I've seen, do you know what I mean, in the works and I may not have used you, but your uh, momentum, your credibility and the responsiveness that I've seen on the internet is next to none. So tell people a little bit about where they can find you and your launch services.
1: Oh, absolutely. So we are thelaunchguild.com. You can find us there. And we're also on Instagram at the launch guild and we have everything from VIP days. So we do um, tech or design setups in two days, all the way to full service launch support, including copy and Facebook ads and all the things. So yeah,
0: I'd love to have more conversations about launches
1: because we just love them.
0: (laughs) They're fantastic. They're a brilliant part of the business, do you know what I mean? So brilliant. Now, i like to ask one final question. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started off in business? Oh, what do I know now? Uh, don't undercharge because (laughs) you will
1: think that you're doing people a service by undercharging and you're just going to want to burn your business down and burn out really quickly.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. it. I just had this conversation (laughs) with a client the other day. She said, I charge this. And she's like, but I was charging this. And I said, we've got a mindset problem. Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me. I was like, because she's like, but yeah, COVID and this. And I was like, you're not here to save people. I was Mm -hmm. like, you can be kind to people. And you can support people and you can make the decision maybe on your call. If you're like, you know what, this month I'll help this person out, right? But I was like, and she just looked at me. <laughs> I'm like, it was a discovery. <laughs> she just looked at me like oh, I think you've called me out. I'm like, well, do you know what I mean? Those <laughs> yep. are the things that happen, but it is, right? Like again, don't undercharge because you, you're normally attracting clients who are going to be harder to work with, right? Yeah. Harder to want to do what you want them to do. And then they turn around And my, in my experience and then they're like, oh, you're the problem. No, 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 no. Where's the responsibility for your action mm-hmm. or inaction of your business, yeah. right? So yes, we could talk for a long time, my friend, but before we sign off, just a reminder that my team and I will also be putting together the show notes for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au and we'll include, all the links to Tasha's, uh, all of her wonderful experience and how you can connect with her. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Tasha. I really appreciate it. I know it's going into evening for you back in Albuquerque. So thanks again. Hopefully you'll go eat some burritos with green chili for me. They are the best (laughs) in Albuquerque. Um, and for the rest of you have a beautiful day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another awesome episode of the business and life conversations podcast. Thanks again, Tasha. Thank you.